Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> it's been a while. I know. I feel like it even hasn't been that long, but long enough. Take two back in studio today We're with back. Greg Hughes, our in-house Republican. Mara Carabello, who is celebrating a birthday this weekish. That's right. In the last 24 happy, hours. Happy birthday. That's right. Mara yes. Dear. Thank happy you. Come Representing you Democrats Thank today. Thank you. I'm wearing blue because it's Mara's um, birthday you. week. So. Thanks for having yeah. my colors. And we have a studio audience today. <laughs> Mara's dad is in the house, so he will be here either nodding approvingly or disapprovingly. He's going to be giving me happens. the look. I already know. I can feel the look. I'm going to get the look because as soon as I disagree with his daughter, <laughs> it's just not going to be good for me. I've heard he sometimes disagrees with her, yeah. too. Oh, you should have seen that. He just flashed a gang sign at me just now. Wow. Yes. Wow. And it was so something about bodily harm. So you're just saying because he is a minority, he's a gangbanger, Greg? Because we I'm, take offense. I would never say that. <laughs> see, see how this is going already? This is this, this is, is not going well for I anyone, never, is it? That word, that word never left my lips. She just put those words in my mouth. Uh, okay. Well, okay. we are all start. fired up and stuff go. to talk about. If you're Outgunned joining us for a first time, welcome. This is going to be fun. <laughs> All right, it's like Twitter, but people talking to each other nicely. That's so right. really not like yeah. Twitter at no. all. Okay, so uh, yesterday, Governor Cox uh, dropped uh, his early release of the budget, but it was kind of the sexy stuff off the top. The rest of it coming out today, but the original big ooh and ah was $1.5 billion in new education funding and a $1 billion tax cut. And when you use the B words, it gets exciting. Mara, when you look at... Um, his wish list and what he'd like to accomplish off the top without looking at the nitty gritty down the list. Is this a good start? You know, one of the things I'm going to say is it's probably already pretty close to being in a line with the House and Senate um, majority members. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to give bigger context that everyone's paying so much attention to. Uh, every legislator will tell you that the hardest years are the budget surplus years, not when we don't have money. It's when we yeah. have a lot. Yep. And we have, interestingly, two kinds of money this year in, in what seems like a lot. One is one time. We've talked a lot about one time. Yeah. But we're hearing more and more that we're going to have an ongoing surplus. So now back to um, the governor's recommendations, and I think that's the basis for a tax cut that he's offering. And then he's going big, as we saw, on education. Yeah, I think um, for me what's interesting about those things are that, as we remember last year, um, the legislature wanted to pass – school vouchers. And the governor said, hey, unless you increase salaries, I'm going to veto this. And now the exact same conversation is happening, but it's flipped. And the legislature is saying to the governor's office, hey, uh, we're not going to, uh, you know, unless unless you go on with us on vouchers, we aren't going to give you the tax cuts. So I'm going to preview that I also think it's tax a voucher. Tax cuts or increase in funding. Increase in funding for yep. education. And so I think they've flipped it this year. Um, I think this budget shows that They've made some agreements on increasing uh, salaries, but I, I suspect you'll also see a voucher 
um, attempt that mm-hmm. might be successful. So <clears throat> every legislator for years has always given the same speech, which is, you want to know what we do with the governor's budget, and then they toss it in the trash. But I don't want to overlook the fact that the executive branch, one of the big reasons uh, that they come out with their budget is they do set the agenda, and that's what we're talking about. And they do have a really big bully pulpit, and this governor has if shown they a, choose to use it, yeah. yeah and this governor's shown a, profi- um, a proficiency in his PR and public relations. Yeah, the budget announcement from the governor is important, particularly for his departments, his cabinet members. It, it really they're not really supposed to advocate or ask the legislature for more money than would than would what would be found in the governor's proposed budget. Now remember, a governor's budget didn't have any public hearings. It was done amongst uh, their department heads. It's it's their ideal of what they think the state budget should look like. But that will come. The real budget comes after the public hearings happen. After the subappropriation committees have their hearings, uh, there's a huge public process that will go forward. It has been the case usually that. We would shake our heads when the governor would bring out his budget and we'd say, well, look how fat that budget is. That's a, that's a pig at the trough. That's a drunken sailor spending all this money. No, we would honestly, we would just, just be, we would marvel at how large these, these uh, gubernatorial proposed budgets would look like. But then the kind of the joke was, well, after our public process, our budget was pretty close to what the governor had, had proposed initially. So I had always thought it would be fun to see a governor come out the gate with massive tax cuts. Uh, not spend as much and see where the legislature goes from there. And I think this budget looks a lot like that. I think this budget has is a conservative budget. I think that the tax cuts are good. There's even tax re- one-time tax relief. So where there's not an ongoing cut in income tax, there's even tax relief found in this budget where you'll pay less in a one-time, but it'll, it'll be tax relief. Anyway, I like it. I like the way – I like the priorities. I like that he didn't go – and make it a, a bigger budget or a bigger state budget. He really did focus on uh, education funding, but he did on the tax relief. I love the tax relief. And I also think that the bump in sc- teacher pay is significant. I think before we paid a little bit of lip service to bumping teacher pay, uh, I do think right now is the time to start to right-size that, and his budget reflects and, that. And to Mara's point, watch for that to be the green light for a, a parental choice in education bill otherwise known as school vouchers and that's been a discussion i think since huntsman was a governor right right kind of the original and we've made two attempts to have it uh two threats maybe to have it uh legislative by the people so it'll be really interesting to see the conversation that happens around it i mean i think most of us since i i think our audience is inside baseball too i mean most indications of this are when you saw the committee assignments and the committee assignments really lend themselves to thinking that uh, school vouchers are going to be a huge issue this year. Who did you see on the committee assignments where you you zeroed in and said, well, there we go. Representative Perucci has been a champion of this particular uh, issue. She's an up-and-coming star, I think, in the Republican caucus, mm-hmm. and she'll be leading, I think, a lot of the public discussions on this issue. Yeah, when I was counting heads, at least on the education uh, House Education Standing Committee, it, it seems to be more con- a, a committee that's whose members would be more inclined to support uh, school choice than not. So, All right. It is going to be interesting watching that come out. Uh, last week, while we were not together, Rocky Anderson Rocky came three. out swinging, Rocky yes, ready to get in the arena again. Uh, I forget how old he is now. He's in his mid-70s. 120. No, I should yeah, Google early, and get actual 70s, facts here. I think. So uh, Rocky's <laughs> ready to go at it again. Uh, the interesting thing is, uh, he was actually a very, I think, popular and successful mayor when he was in office. It was during the Olympics. 
Uh, the question is, can he come back and do the same of what he was doing, or have politics changed so much that it's not a rocky world anymore? What do you think? Uh, you know, in hindsight, I mean, I, I was a critic of Rocky when he was the mayor. Uh, you'd always see these battles with the legislature and with uh, just it just seemed like he was a, a bit of a lightning rod. But in hindsight, uh, I look at how the city was run. I look at how business and prospered and it became a residential city more than ever. Uh, there were just some really good things that happened on his watch that I have to admit now, particularly uh, comparing it or contrasting it to the subsequent mayors of the city of Salt Lake. And so I was happy to see him throw his hat in. He doesn't need to do this in this t- season of his life, but he is the last mayor of Salt Lake City that I would say uh, was actually trying to move the needle, measurables, making something happen. Right now, there's a lot of convening, there's a lot of talking, but I, I think you're seeing a city in decay right now. I think Rocky, love him, hate him, he's going he's gonna to do something, and I think he's going to be bold in those, those, uh, those moves. It, the question you, that, but that you brought up, Heidi, is has politics changed? Can a, can a white old man win in uh, Salt Lake City? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I would like to apologize to to Rocky. I said he was in his mid-70s. That was rude. He's only 71, so he's young. He's ready to take him on. He is young. He can do it. When I say old, I'm just saying that's what he's going to be, you know, identity politics are just going to try and demonize him that way. I think what's interesting about this race, um, the Salt Lake race, in my mind, are the conditions that make it even appealing for Rocky to decide to run. And I think the conditions are uh, that we've got uh, a civic community, particularly a business community, that is frustrated with the bureaucracy and frustrated that there appears to not be a lot being done. And by now, sort of a second and third administration, there have been three mayors in between when Rocky ran, ran last time. And I do think Greg hit on something. I'll use a phrase that Greg uses all the time in which Rocky, you love him and hate him, but he had a bias for action, right? The guy got things done. And if there was a problem, it was done immediately. And I think that that is the appeal of what I'm hearing as early support. Now, whether he ends up being the right guy, whether he has a pathway, what we do know is he will not go unnoticed. Um, you know, Aaron Mendenhall will not be unchallenged in this. He's, yeah. not a, rocking the boat. he's not a shrinking violet, so you suspect that he'll be out there, he'll be up front. I do think he needs to discipline himself more than he used to. Um, an, an early indicator that I hope he changes is that his announcement speech was an hour long. It was and very I, long. I feel Who like am I to judge? Okay, well, I, 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 I you, might have fallen into those moments. You are not one to judge. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, I, I, poor man. He's but, just trying to really get detailed and he, I think he is going to have to maybe distill what his message is. I think he's going to have to figure out where his sweet spot is. But the conditions that have caused Rocky to come back, the conditions that have um, indicated strategically for him that he should announce this early, I think um, should be telling and should be worrisome to the current administration. And that early is a marathon race, too, if you choose to do that, because then you're just always running. So, Yeah, yeah. And he's in, and now he'll start... I mean, he's going to start nipping up at, at things because yeah. he, he's not one to sit quietly. And it'll be interesting if it's as full a race as it was last time around because we saw for the first round of the gubernatorial race and then the mayoral race was really the first time that we saw a lot of people in that primary because uh, you could get on with signatures. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a good strategy, too, for that very reason. I think when Rocky comes out, uh, you are looking at a formidable candidate. So if you were entertaining the idea of running for mayor – you're not just looking at taking on the incumbent mayor and, and the issues of the day, but you're looking at a tough challenger in Rocky, and he might clear the table early by coming out early and making it maybe a choice of one or the other 
where everyone else like I'm not getting between those two. It's going to be a tough race. So yep. I think coming it'll, out early smart. It'll be true. And I mean, he's still a quintessential liberal and, and that's needed for sure to be at the mayor of Salt Lake City. Yeah, yep. I better not say too many nice things about him or it'll sink that whole race. So I better <laughs> yeah. just be You've quiet. You've been leaning left a lot lately. It's I have a, not. It's People okay to just, be kind. If I've There's identified with anything, it's because that. people start getting reasonable on me, and they just agree with me. That's all. Yeah. Mm. That's they wear you down, be yeah. nice to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always another race. I feel like we thought there would be like this brief, you know, kind yes. of breath in between elections, but there's no breath. We're just there's no. We're breath. just right Mm-mm. into it. And speaking of being right into it, Congress is not really lame ducking right now. They're trying to get stuff done before things change. And officially yesterday, uh, the House, the U.S. House, voted uh, to codify same-sex marriage and interracial marriage. This came after Senator Mike Lee on the Senate side uh, tried to pass an amendment that strengthened, I think, the protections for uh, religious groups in that area. I believe Mitt Romney voted with him on that. His amendment ultimately failed. Mitt Romney voted in favor of codifying Lee against it. And then yesterday, what was interesting to me is not everyone realized this because they weren't following it closely over the summer, but all four of Utah's congressional leaders were supporting uh codifying same-sex marriage, but ultimately yesterday, Owens, uh, he put out a statement and voted present. So he didn't vote against it, but he voted present, and the other three voted in favor. So it is headed to the president's desk, and I've been busy today. I didn't even see if maybe he slipped in a signature this morning. I don't know. So Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really nice issue. It had bipartisan support. It's a it's a nice issue to see where we have changed our public dialogue. Um, 71% in the latest Gallup poll of Americans supported same-sex marriage, mm-hmm. including the majority of Republicans. Comparing that to 1996, in which it was in the high 20s. I mean, that is Even a Even 10 huge, years ago, it's been a big change. Right. And our delegation, not only with the exception of Bridges Owens, who I think the biggest cop-out is to vote present. So yeah. I want to I wanna give a demerit yes or no. there for him. But uh, I think that uh, even our delegation, not only did they vote for it, you know, I mean, Chris Stewart said some pretty compelling words. Now, I do think there was some some cleverness uh, there on behalf of the bill's writers and drafters by including interracial marriage and also some religious freedoms, because those seem to be at odds with some conservatives. And uh, I think that was smart drafting to leave a little room there for people to have a higher priority of protecting religious freedoms, but be able to see that value represented in the legislation. I will tell you what, concern. I would be a no vote if I had a chance to vote for this, because because the um, Senator Lee's amendment was not able to pass. And this is all he proposed in that amendment. I mean, I, I don't think it's debatable in terms of the status of same-sex marriage, and I think that was settled long ago. Um, there is a right of action for the Justice Department or for legal action to be taken if someone's right, their marriage, or the, the way that you know the same-sex marriage is discriminated against. Senator Lee's amendment was making that a two-way street, saying if you're going to have a right of action— and we believe that this bill is about respecting same-sex marriage or marriage generally with, with however that's made up, but also our religious liberties, then a right of action should have applied for both of these uh, topics that are inside of this bill. But no, it was not a two-way street. Some said it's already in there. It's already in the bill. You already have this, this protection in there. To that I say, having been a former lawmaker, well, then say it twice. Because if you did, you would have even a greater bipartisan bill. You would have even more common ground being arrived at. If you think it's already on there so you don't oppose it by way of policy, accept Senator Lee's amendment so that we're seeing that right of action on respecting you know, religious liberties as well as, as same-sex marriage, that it's the same. But the fact that they would not accept that, that amendment 
worries me about that bill. It, it, it should have passed if it was true that, that the right of action or being able to either litigate or not based on those two principles were in that bill. No, I don't think I mean, it is. Your interpretation is so boutique. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. It's boutique. It's it, called two-way sitting, street. That's no, not no, a boutique no. on concept. On one hand, you're saying, you know, the, the, the same-sex marriage part wasn't because it's already settled law. Like settled law like Roe v. Wade was settled, that kind of settled law or a different kind? Okay, so that's one, fine. So one, nothing is settled law. And those protections, the religious liberties, they're protected in several other areas. Then but just this, put it in there then. But this was a bill put it in there, about, uh, I think it is protected. It, it, if it is, say it twice. Again, I've, I've seen this before. If it is already in there, so you don't oppose the policy, put the lines in the bill. If it's repetitive, it got you more votes. Why would you not be supportive why would of you, a bill that why had would more you have not Republican voted for votes? a bill that already has it? Because I don't believe it. The because religious to me, liberty part was added, right? Listen, to you me, know that was added the to tell, the original context. The tell in the legislative process, when you say, I'd like to do this amendment, and they say, it's already in the bill. You don't have to have it. And I say, well, then let's just say it twice. No so harm, no like foul. So this is like double birth control for you. Yeah, yeah for yeah. Well, I will say Men this. and women. When they say it's already in there, but when you say, then let's say it again in this amendment, because if it's there, and they won't, then it's not in there. Yeah, because if it, if it was in there, it would not Hughes, be hard you know the process, to put that in there. You, then you know the process was already at the House. You know that the Senate had already taken care of that. Just from a procedural mechanism, no. you put into code the two protections, and then you added a third protection. This was a it's solid a piece of protection. legislation. If it, if, it was, if, it, if it was already in there, you were just redundant at worst. But I, I don't think it's in there because if, if that's not a good enough reason to, to keep the amendment out. The truth of the matter is... Democrats had their votes. They don't have to consider another right. amendment for another reason. It doesn't matter it's, if it's good, if it's bad. They had their votes. They're moving forward. They the, don't want to hear it. The other done. thing I think is— So that's, is, that's why the Democrats didn't—biggest uh, reason why the they didn't The other conversation that's germane to the um, delegation from Utah is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was sort of softly saying, we're fine. We're, Which we're basically gave them cover to keep voting how right. they already said they were going Which to vote. Which blows right. my mind when— the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints finds you're itself trying to out that it, it finds itself on the opposite side of the Catholic faith of all of our all of our other religious faiths of our country. We're very worried about this bill, but the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was uniquely not. But like I, I the don't Catholic even, I, I opposition cannot, was same-sex marriage, not religious freedoms. Well, you already I, I had. Can't get, I can't get my head around that. Why Utah's entire congressional de- delegation is of the same faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And maybe they already saw over the summertime that the delegation had signaled that that was the way they were voting. So maybe they were coming in line with but, but, their but congressional I, delegation as opposed to vice versa. I don't know how it works. I, just, I know maybe we're belaboring this topic, but in 2015, the church came out with an anti, uh, anti, what, anti-bigotry or religious liberty bill. Okay, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of what we saw in Congress, but it's, this was a state bill that was going to look at anti-discrimination and pro-religious liberty. That was a very, very difficult process to move through um, legislatively. There were a lot of concerns, a lot of worry. We even, I even held a, 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 a standing committee while we were on the floor of the House because there were many that wanted to have a, a didn't want to skip the House committee of that bill. Uh, and so we had one while we were on the House floor, which is you don't usually do that. All of that to say that we were getting the input and getting the concerns addressed of the lawmakers from any party, from any faith from any household makeup that may have a concern. And I think what we came out with at the end of the day was a fair bill. I watch that pro- I look at the process we lived through and I contrast with what they did in Congress. And it's just, it's just a swamp. They just, they get their votes. They're going to steamroll it. They don't care. 
I, I'm concerned about this issue. Well, it's on page 2005. Well, can you say it again just so that we know it's there? No, you can't. Well, so for, I just think it's too gained us, up. This was a nice piece of bipartisan legislation. I know. Yeah. Well, for and you. And the interesting thing, too, is going back to the church before we move on real quick. I hadn't thought about this until we were just sitting here talking, but Prop 8 wasn't that long ago that the church was really asking its members in California and all over the United States to go into their bank accounts, right. use that money to fight, specifically in California, uh, same-sex marriage. And we went from that really big fight in 2008 to now essentially giving its blessing to codifying it. Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It is interesting. How times change. And yep. that's not that many years, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens 15 years from now. It'll yes. be exciting on the edge of our seats. Uh, before we get 15 years down the road, though, I want to head back to uh, the 2024 election because it is right around the corner. <laughs> get your T-shirts now. Uh, Senator <laughs> Mitt Romney is going to be up for election. And uh, Deseret News and Hinckley keep pumping out poll results since the election. They've been doing a lot of polling and uh it's interesting because when we've looked at polls of both Senator Mitt Romney and also of Senator Mike Lee, they both have some good and some bad feedback. But interestingly enough, when they say looking ahead to the 2024 U.S. Senate election, do you think Mitt Romney should run for re-election? 27% say definitely, 19% say probably, 18% probably not, 33% definitely not, and only a small piece, 1.4%, say they don't know. Um, this was taken November 18th through the 23rd, and they talked to more than 800 registered Utah voters. So these are people who do vote, mm -hmm. and people aren't decided, Greg, about whether they want uh, Senator Mitt Romney to run again. Why are people lukewarm, and is it because we're two years out, and they're just not ready to think about well, it? it I'm there's a lot of uh, people that successfully won re-election that two years before their election in the Senate had pretty bad numbers that yeah. they shouldn't run again. I think Orrin Hatch had really bad, worse numbers than these, uh, and he won his his. Mike race. Lee had these numbers. Yeah, so so I'm I'm I didn't I don't I don't know that to be true, but I do know it about Hatch. High forties, right? Okay, I mean, Mike I'll, Lee was trending in the high forties. Okay. I'll yeah, take your word great. for it, yeah. but I will say this: I think that there is. Um, some buyer's remorse with Mitt Romney just because I think how he campaigned in 2018 versus how he he was a, the decisions he made and votes he made as a senator did not match. I think that's been a story for that's a storyline with Mitt Romney for a long, long time. When he runs for governor in Massachusetts, he has one position. When he ran for president, he had another position. He ran in 2018 in Utah with one position being a supporter of Trump, and I support Trump. He's a better president than I thought he'd ever be. Uh, coming out against him right after he just likes to move around a lot and I think I think people have I think some of the blooms off the rose with Romney and I think it's I think it's legitimate a little bird told me that he'll be announcing his intention to run for re-election in January and there's a lot of speculation and this was before we saw the set uh, the senator cinema uh, from Arizona announcement today about being running being an independent the the conversation is that Mitt Romney may believe with even poll numbers like this in mind that his November election uh voters would be more favorable to him than a june end of june primary voter would be and that he may go the route of senator cinema and run as a run for re-election as an independent senator i would think that the evan mcmullen litmus test may have 
dissuaded him from that. Uh, what do you think, Mara? Do you no, think I mean, he that's runs my again? Read. I think if I think that if he reads this in, these numbers and decides to run as an independent, he does not have anybody in his campaign that can count heads because I don't think these numbers are bad. The point of view that Greg just um, put forth is a really consistent point of view with sort of very capital C conservatives, and that's about a third of the electorate. And in Greg will, and I will always differentiate between the test of getting out of the primary mm-hmm. and the test of the general election. And so I think the question for Romney has always been the test of the primary, not the that's one of right. the general that's election. Right. But, I, I, but you know, you look at, and so Greg's point of view. Your, that your crosstab there is, is just general election voters, right? No. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm no, just no. saying that's not, a, that's not a primary. Your is registered, so they don't even have voting voters. I'm just going to say okay. they likely right. would have. They I likely would have. I would say that's not primary voters. It's not even voting voters. Okay. And and this this these numbers from this pollster were not particularly accurate in the McMullen Senate race as well. That would be true. I'll, I'll, I'll just put that out there. But I do think you look at these, and if I were Mitt Romney, I wouldn't see to run as an independent in this. In this. I wouldn't also eliminate myself as a Republican. Again, Greg's sort of criticism on is he consistently Republican is held by sort of the very right side of the party. <laughs> it's not. Democrats it would say this. Or Democrats said that he was he couldn't stay on a position when he ran for president. They la- they mocked him. I mean for that it. was twenty that was ten years ago. But I'm just okay. saying since then I don't know that Romney. I think what will impact Romney more will be who will be the top of the ticket for the Republicans. Okay. And I don't know that I would look at these numbers. I question whether Romney wants to keep doing this or not. I He's still think the seventy five almost seventy six. And he's done yeah. a lot in his life. I yeah. mean, at one point, you're like, man, you've got wealth, you've got notoriety, you've got name ID. Do you, do you still, do you want to like, go, go home make and an play with your grandkids? Else? Yeah. yeah, but I also just think, I don't look at these numbers and say, gosh, these are telling him not to run. I think another, a lot of other factors will, will indicate to him whether he's running or not. Not because I, the polling's I, soft. I have to say, I hope Mars right. I think this independent game that McMullen played in this last election cycle, or that another... You know that Senator Sinema is playing now. That she's she was yesterday a Democrat. Today she's amazingly a, an independent. I just find it to be hiding the ball from ele- uh, from voters. I, I don't think that some stripe of independence just struck these. Uh, she's people. still caucusing with Democrats. Of so. course she is, yeah. and so it's just it's just a it's a it's a. I I'm afraid that it's just uh, it's wordsmithing at this point, and it's just trying to avoid any negatives that may come from a party or from a a, a moniker. And, and trying to win that way. And I just, I don't like it. So just to restate that, I mean, in a weird way, Greg and I agree on this, but for very different reasons. <laughs> I find, that might, hey, that's a good thing. I, I mean, find we, we might be independent somewhere. candidates very appealing. And I wish America would start doing more independent candidates. As you know, sort of I'm a critic of the parties. I don't think they're pumping out our brightest and best. But what I do agree with Greg on is if you're a Republican on Monday, don't be an independent on Wednesday. And I think that was part of the challenge with Evan McMullen is Evan McMullen was a conservative Republican who decided to game the system by running as an independent. I think the same impact would be had of, of Romney, who actually has defended and has lived in the Republican Party as an elected official for decades now. And I think that's what people struggle with is it does feel a little carpet baggy to just say, oh, I'm going to now run as an independent. Now, he will have the resources that he needs if he runs, I suspect. Oh, he will. Which is interesting because Evan McMullen also. I mean, Evan McMullen had the resources. And all it takes is one or two Mitt Romneys who win as an independent where you probably get to the point where other people can do it because I just think that we're not at a point where 
it makes sense with the way things are being run that it can work. But I guess it's, if you get enough of well, them, Well, I think then- cinema will show that. I mean, so remember, cinema comes out strong as an independent post-election. Can she, in the current interesting chaos that is Arizona, which is there, they are they're purple, all over they are the all over, they're so interesting right now. Can she, and who knows, this is tomorrow, but can she get reelected? My guess, and it's purely a guess, but this is what I think is happening in real time. I think that conversations have happened between a, a, a Senator Cinema and a Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. I think these two feel like their parties have beaten them up a little bit. Um, they might not be tracking exactly right. And I think that, that you would not walk away from the machine of a Democrat that, a committee that raises you money or a Republican one unless you started to talk around and understand how you're even going to raise money for your election. If you had Mitt Romney, Cinema, Manchin, Murkowski, Collins, if you had five to six independent senators and you look at the makeup of Congress right now, I would argue they would run the entire Congress. It would be all up to them. Those five to six senators would decide everything that happens in Washington. You're the margin on everything. You're everything. If you five or six get together and realize that about each other. Yeah. I, I think it's the play. I think that's what we're but ab- also, about Greg, to see. And, and, and what that's what I worry about. Pull that off, and right? I worry about, I don't think that's actually healthy for us to have a uniparty that kind of decides everything with these five or six. Yes, said but, as a Utah Republican, it would be horrible if hey, we had I, one party you know that I ran have said, everything. Hey, I have always said I like two parties. You know I've said that. Don't. But I mean, we have one party here, right? I've said I think people should run for their parties. I've said I'd make a better Democrat chair than you guys because you just gave your, away your to nomination. To go back to your previous appointment, one thing that it is interesting as from a small Western state and from Arizona being a small Western state, I do three think, and if you look at Maine and you look at Bernie Sanders, I do think it is even more advantageous for a small, scrappy state to have an independent. Because like, if you're from Texas or you're from California, your delegation is your own institution as yeah. well. Yeah. So I do think it, if if I were considering running as an independent, I would pick sort of a small state and I would pick a western state. But I, but I just add this last part: the the people I just mentioned from the Republican aisle and the Democrat aisle that would maybe affiliate as independents. We do have Bernie Sanders is independent, but we don't think of him that way. He's a stone cold Democrat or Democrat. He's a I, liberal for yes, sure, right? He's so, a liberal. He has, so he has no home in the so, Republican Party. So, so we've had independence, but we they where they caucus really kind of signals yeah. t- is the tell where they're at. These five or six are true truly moderate. Can jump it's around true. anywhere they want. Yeah. Anywhere Although they want. Most of the time they vote with their party. I think I saw some numbers that um, Cinema voted with the Biden administration since he's been in ninety three percent of the time. Yeah. I didn't look up the most. Um, recent Mitt Romney numbers, but when I uh, flew out to Washington and sat down with both Lee and Romney at the same time, I mean, they were voting with their party the vast majority of the time, and there was about 15%, I think, well, where Romney they were voting votes against. With, yeah. Romney voted with Trump more than Lee voted with Trump. That's, yeah, which is interesting, fact. right? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's but if you gave them the, the autonomy and the freedom to be their own little independent caucus, how often do they vote with their respective former parties, even yeah. if they caucus with them? Or how, may, how much do they start to broker... What's going to happen? Ten percent in the middle. What they would yeah. do is put down the partisan tropes and labels, and they would go back to common sense legislation. That's a so very that would be. I, I, I appreciate your optimism yeah, if I had on a soundtrack, that. I, I would have put it on. I know. I, I'd like grade. to hear that that the, the music to that I because I, I am I'm I'm that a little more John cynical. That would have been John Philip Sousa. Thank you very much. I, I I'm not. That. I don't believe that. It would be nice if I we think. could get back to the point where <laughs> we could listen to both sides and actually broker deals instead of just. 
passing stuff because you can. I call those dog lick bills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why do dogs lick themselves? Because they they can. can. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I I have not, of all the things I've heard, I've not heard that, Heidi. So I actually like that. I'm going to, I'm stealing that. That's (laughs) that's from the South. (laughs) And I'm going to say, Heidi Hatch has always said, it's always been her. Heidi Hatch says. She always says the dog dog lick (laughs) test because they can. Luckily, my mom, I don't even know, maybe my mom does listen to this podcast and be like, Heidi, she always says that I always bring it down to that lower common denominator where like people are laughing, yeah. but it's like inappropriate laughter. Oh. Hey, so, what's wrong with that? So I'd like to oh, apologize. Fine. That was mom, a moment of listening. consensus. Okay, yeah. good. Um, <laughs> I want to go down to the South for just a minute. Uh, Democrats won in Georgia. Uh, they can actually enjoy uh, the God. holidays now. Um I didn't really see Republicans winning there. Maybe I'm wrong, but he wasn't a great candidate. I don't think he was any better candidate than Fetterman was, but we're sort of at a part where our country, just because it says R.D. next to it, we vote to it, doesn't matter if it's the best candidate. So to me, it wasn't a great shock here that um, this will go in the uh, Democrat win column. The interesting thing is, is that... uh, President Biden becomes the first president since FDR. That was 1934 to not lose a single Senate seat of his own party during a midterm election, which arguably Republicans should have kicked some trash. Because when you're thinking about gas prices, inflation, the pull out of Afghanistan, like I could list off so many things. Uh, Biden's speeches he gives, he he's had some legislative wins, but overall, I mean, he's been getting his butt kicked in a lot of different ways. And Republicans, Mm -hmm. Greg, should have come out there. Yes. And um, been singing "We Will Rock You" and really made it happen. And they I did agree. Not. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to tell you that they did in Florida. You need to look at how they conduct their elections. Thank what you, happens DeSantis. there? It was like but the red tidal I will tell wave. You, that yeah, but like, look at look at their election <sighs> process as well. I will tell you that the Fulton County is just too big and has too many voters to. They can overcome the collective will of every other county in Georgia and win that race. And they they can and they have. I, I really don't buy into the candidate quality th- uh, argument for Republicans because we never look the other way around to like to John Fetterman or even to Biden. This, this somehow this quality quality candidate test never applies to a Democrat. It only replies to the applies to the Republican. I think that truly, you got to figure out how you're gonna you're going to win a race where Fulton County in Georgia, Maricopa County in Arizona, Clark County in in, in Nevada. Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, these large metropolitan, large counties, uh, if you, the, the Democrats are just better at getting far more votes out of those giant counties than, than we're seeing out of the rest of the counties of those states. And so it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough deal. 74% of Americans polled, I saw this this morning, think that America's on the wrong track. How can Biden be the first president since 1934, did not lose a single Senate seat when 74% of Americans believe that America's on the wrong uh, on the wrong track. It's just math. It's just party affiliation. It's these giant counties, and look, they're getting their votes out, and it's a, it's and th- that's how they're winning. And I don't think it's a everybody's excited about the country and think that things are going great and that this president uniquely. Unlike any other president before him, people are good with what's going on in this country. I think it's the opposite, but I think that. The, the, the nuts and bolts of these campaign elections and the election process, by the way, different than in Florida's, gives the Democrats an advantage. I, I mean, I don't think there's a version where the Democrats have a sort of structural advantage. Uh, I don't think America is happy with either side, and I don't think they're really happy with either party. But it is incredibly remarkable that the Republicans did as poorly. I mean, no one thought 
they would do this poorly in this election cycle. And I think it's they continue to be distracted. Uh, Greg won't like this, but I think Trump hurt them. And I think that being involved in personality and um, message and fringe issues, uh, they could have shellacked the Democrats had they stayed on the economy. But they didn't, and they stayed on these these boutique issues. I hope the analysis means that both parties will come back to pocketbook issues. They'll both come back to consensus building because those are the candidates on both sides who actually did better. Um, And, and I think that they went to some identity politic. I don't think it's because there's dense urban environments in which the Mm. Democrats got their vote out a, a little better. But I do think that Trump did end up distracting and hurting candidates. And the reason that matters is that there were a great deal of candidates who lo- who won and lost by less than 5%. So we are talking about an races, America yeah. who, I mean, even you look at the Georgia race, I mean, it's under 3%. So we're looking at still marginal uh, slices. And I do think that- The, that the only thing that I would, I would say that I don't think tracks with what you've just proffered is this. Um, Dr. Oz, the Republican uh, that won his Republican primary, was the, more, was the more moderate of the two. He was less Republican, or he was less conservative. He was more moderate. He's more of a centrist. And he lost to John Fetterman, who was clearly further left. In terms of candidate quality, the man said he... Su- <laughs> Uh, you could go on. The candidate quality just doesn't even His hold a candle. Shorts. So, no, but, but then, like, but then you go. But like, let me just stay finish. on him for a second. No, no. But I get it. But then you can yeah, yeah, get yeah. on both. In Nevada, the candidate uh, Laxalt, he stayed away from Trump. He did a very Kemp, you know, Governor right. Kemp like right. campaign that Kemp did in Georgia is what he did in Nevada. You can't blame Trump for Laxalt's loss in Nevada. in Nevada. He he ran a, a race where he kept yeah. Trump at arm's length. The only thing I know well, that's... He did the that's, same here. I mean, Trump backed him, but I think he didn't try to yeah, wave the Trump flag. That's right. The only thing I can see that's the same, the only crossover really is Clark County, Fulton County, Maricopa County. I mean, I, that's the only thing I see that's the common denominator yeah, in those Craig, races. You know, you know this better than anybody. You're trying Trump. to make this not about individuals. I mean, right there... I know, I don't. I, I, I don't think it's the individuals. No, but I'm saying that's people... I'm saying it the great part about politics is the unpredictability of the individual. And when I say Trump, I don't mean just ones who he was directly involved with. We're having, the Republicans are having a discussion about who represents their voice. Yeah. And so I do think there was an, a positive or negative impact to his credit and to his detriment. He is, he's taking up space. Trump is taking yeah. up some space. Yep. And I do think that one thing you do often leave out with Fetterman is remember, Fetterman has a standing record as a statewide elected. It, you had a neophyte a celebrity who arguably carpetbagged into the state against a guy who had been in public office and had the bully pulpit for years. So I get, I totally get your assessment of whether he was a qualified candidate, but you're forgetting that he has had a relationship with that electorate as an elected official, and that's how okay. they were judging his qualifications. So I'm just saying, I think there's more geographic nuance to it, but I do think that surprisingly... <laughs> Traditionally, the Republicans have their act a little more together in, like, choosing a path and following it. And I think there's a little bit of chaos right now in the Republican Party that we don't tend to see. Well, I'll give you And chaos can be a good thing. Let's say you're watching um, Ted Lasso. They're on the field. (laughs) They want to win a game. If you've watched, you know what I mean? That's hilarious. You let some chaos right now, but sometimes (laughs) not a good thing. And Trump, I think, has had a chance in the last couple weeks where he could probably take a win 
do his hashtag winning and then walk away, but he always takes it a bridge too far. For example, Elon Musk is unleashing um, the Twitter files and they um, showed some of the Hunter Biden um, work and how it was suppressed. He could have said, this sucks, this was not fair, and people I think may have listened to him and he would have been right. But then he goes off and says, that's it, let's burn the Constitution down. Those were not his direct quote. But it's just like... You just can't get out of your way. Instead of taking a win, a small win, and just saying, I told you so, right. he yeah, says, I, I told you so, and then let's get rid of the Constitution, which gives Mitt yeah. Romney the chance to finally call somebody else a rhino. Him, him saying the word rhino was surreal to me. I Did you see that 15 seconds? Down said, world. It's upside yeah, it I know. It's, um, yeah. it, but I, I do agree with you, and I'll tell you this. The, 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 the Donald Trump that won in 2016... Uh, caught everyone by surprise. They didn't know how to handle a guy that didn't play by the rules. He wasn't focus grouping and his answers. He wasn't, you know, he was as off the cuff and as raw as you can get. And a lot of everyday Americans saw that as he's not a politician, and they quite liked that. But everybody knows his playbook now, or at least his enemies or those that want to see him lose. He's got to come up with it. He's got to be There's better. There's no trick shots. Yeah, he's got he's to come out and be a better candidate. He'd have to do a lot, lot better or different than he did before and build on what he's good at understand what he's gotten hit on because nobody knew what he was in 16 when he showed up. They didn't know how to handle him. 20, they started to figure it out. If he doesn't change, if he isn't Trump 2.0 and have a different way of doing it, I agree with you. He can't get out of the way. Can't get out of the well, way most, of himself. What I most often hear from mainstream Republicans is, oh, "I hate Trump. I don't like the, all the antics, but I loved his policies." Challenge Trump has is you have Ron DeSantis, you have Kent, you have a couple of others who have his policies and don't have his wackadoodle, and so he, but, you know, he's got to figure. But, but no, every, everybody misunderstands Trump's base is not the conservative Republican. They, it was they people I think who didn't even vote no, before. Correct. I think it was people who He brought the populists to the party, He's, the everyday people, and I don't know that they know DeSantis as well as they know Trump, and that's the worry about DeSantis. But, Greg, you've seen the same polling I have. He is atrophying in those numbers. Trump is atrophying yeah, in blue-collar. And, and, and it's fine as long as, the, for me as a Republican, as long as they're introduced to someone no, that's— No, see, this is what I was going to say. You should worry because who they're going to come home to yes. is the Democrats. Well, Democrats don't even want left. the everyday American oh, anymore. You guys just here. kicked them all out. I, I'm not going to go for that level. You there know, was a new you know dad. That's not even worthy of responding to. I can't even remember. So By the way, you're being so much nicer to me with your dad here. Do you think? You're way nicer. Do you think? I usually get way— be- You beat me up way Mr. worse Hughes, than this. Mr. Hughes, this is— the, You're making some great points today. Uh, yeah, see? <laughs> with dad here, we get the nice— The nice Mara. She hasn't hit me once. I've n- There's been no f- you know, physical contact. She hasn't smacked me. Nothing. Not she hasn't brought all. up my lost election. Nothing. She's just she been hasn't. nice. Did you lose an election? Yeah, I oh. went once. Did you? Just once. Really? I ran nine of them, but no, it's, yeah, nine of them. Have I you lost. moved on yet? <laughs> oh, <or> no? really? <laughs> yeah, I was one. Think, I was eight and one. Thinking about that much? No. I was I trying to find some all. numbers because I'm totally um, over it. <laughs> the Deseret News had another poll out too, where they were showing. Oh, here it is. Um, who people are looking at right now? And uh, Ron DeSantis comes in at twenty four percent total. Um, and 33% of the GOP, uh, there's a large percent who say don't know. But next in line for people thinking who they might want to run, Liz Cheney, interestingly yeah. enough. Amen. Oh, and then Trump is under She Liz might Cheney. have my vote. I would sooner th- drive into oncoming traffic than have Liz I know. Cheney. I'm oh so my tired gosh. of reasonable you know, women. How, how, in the world, how could you even say that when you've been so angry at the Cheneys and the Bushes and the industrial military industrial complex putting yes. us in all these wars? Yes. How could you even look at the Cheneys and say, I want one of them? 
because she was one of the rare people who actually started to act independently. This is where Trump derangement syndrome sends everyone off a cliff because there's no self-respecting left-of-center person that would ever choose a Cheney unless they actually oppose Trump, and then all's forgiven, I guess. I mean, that's how bad the Canada I'm anti-dynasty at this point, where I just don't want anyone who's been Yeah, I don't want any more Bushes. I don't want any more Clintons. I I don't want, like, Trump children running. I don't want Biden children running. The Cheneys. He sort of was president, acting president. Yes, he was. <laughs> the, the dark truth. horse president for a while. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. The f- interesting thing is that there's so many other people. Mike Pence was down at 6% on that poll, and then Nikki Haley even lower, along with Ted Cruz. But two years is a long way out. Uh, name recognition takes time, and sometimes you're surprised by who Who's all of a sudden. Pop out. Yeah, who you're. Two years, so much can happen. So mm-hmm. it'll be a interesting to see. That's right. And. We're living in a, a more free world unless Twitter completely implodes right now where Elon Musk is letting free Light speech reign. I yes. know. So it's very it's exciting beautiful. right now. It's a beautiful time. Greg, do you yeah. hang out on Twitter at all or I are don't. you more of a I, Facebook I'm, guy? I'm old Facebook. Yeah, I'm Greg doesn't Facebook. know any of what he's talking about. He's just ripping his headlines. No, I'm not. Like, I saw the freedom. Twitter files. I watched it. I watched Talibai or whatever his name your, is. Talibai. Your wife Talibai. showed you the feed. Yeah, actually, Chris, my wife is on. <laughs> she is on Twitter. Twitter. She I did know. absolutely exactly what you just said. She sent me the screen. The shot. The he's been shadow yeah. banned. I remember a while ago. Didn't you say that you thought you'd been Facebook shadow banned and no one was seeing what you were posting? Yes. So you just kind of gave up on it, social media. It happened to me again. You're yesterday. such a you're mm-hmm. such a liar. I get pushed your. You get, okay, what's the last thing you saw of mine? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't check yeah, Facebook I did a really much. good one yesterday. I get a lot of dog videos. Totally banned. It's totally banned. You Your know pages? You know your Former British that. heavyweight champ, uh, Anthony Joshua, has a very difficult time coming into America because of his past criminal history when he was young. So he's trying to teach kids that don't, you know, your past will catch up with you. And, he, and his example was every time he tries to come to America, he's pulled into a room, into an office, and interrogated every single time. Now, this guy was a former heavyweight, world heavyweight champ. So I took the story. It was from the U.S. Sun, and I, I, I copied it. And then I said, hey, champ, just get one of these cartels. Get you across. They'll get you. They'll, you, you, you miss all the lines, and they'll get you across lickety-split. You're suggesting that? Yeah, just that's the easier way to get across. And you don't have to ever have that interview in that office. No one. Greg like Hughes, that, that, I thought that you were no one against has seen southern this. border crossings by well, people I was who being, were not coming into the Yes, I was being flippant, and, but I was shadow banned. No one's ever even seen that post. You have one um, share. I, that has, was there it is his no, wife? <laughs> have you seen the volume of yeah, mine in your, the past? Did your wife share no, this? No, she would. But I'm telling you, I'm, that, I would usually get a little more traffic on a, on a, just a humorous observation. Interesting. And Mara, do you hang out on Twitter often? Have you noticed any changes? Are you, where's your favorite place to hang out and get your political gossip in the real world? In the real world is by far my favorite. Yeah. And I think it's more accurate. I, you know, I think so too. I monitor Twitter, I feel sort of more as a professional obligation than any source of enjoyment. Um, and I, I, you know, you have seen reactivation, but Elon's pretty arbitrary about who he's letting on and off. I mean, I think He's operating a little more arbitrarily. I also will still, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he said free I, speech, but he's like free speech unless when I feel he doesn't like, like it. it. Yeah. And I will also say that we still have a public discussion going on about our our supposed town square is privately owned. All of our town squares are privately owned. Yeah. So I still am saying, no, you know what? These are privately owned corporations. I know we're all going there, but they're privately owned corporations. And I still think Elon Musk not having anybody working for him will catch up with him soon. Yeah, he's got to figure <laughs> out how to organize no, it. Word on the street was he wanted to fire half of them, but he couldn't. So he said, you have to work and then half left. 
that was it. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, he's sort of reigning with chaos right now, too. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I would like to see more free speech, though, because I'm not I a agree. big fan of um, one side or the other, and it will always flip because time changes things, as we've seen. I just think that free speech is a good idea. And if you're not going to let people on your platforms, for example, a lot of people said, okay, Trump, you've been banned. Go create your own. And when he did try... Well, what did he try to call his first? Truth Social. It's still there. In fact, no, his, the, he, that what, was not the one that was banned, oh, though, right? Because no. all of a sudden, Amazon and Google and all yeah. the pro- internet providers are like, we're not going to let you on. So I do think there's value in having a, ta- a town square where you let people talk and have a conversation. But I mean, it can't within be privately owned, right? Well, yeah, I look, mean, we like, say that, but AT&T's private company, and we, we, we broke up the Ma Bells, and we, we actually right. let private companies be phone companies, but we don't let them ban you're talking who gets about, to be you're on talking the phone, about market, and they're private companies. Market monopolies. These are actually communication platforms. But they're monopolies. They're monopolies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they, they monopolize the yeah. ability to communicate. But when you have Google and Facebook and Instagram and everybody working together so that someone can't go f- get away to get their message out, that's my problem with it. And, and I think that yeah. if you're not like a phone company, and that's why they enjoy so much legal protection against slander and libel and all right. these things because they were a platform, not a publisher. But when you decide who gets to be on there, when yeah. you get to start having those discussions on who you're going to censor and what topics you will or will not, you are publishing. You are yeah. not a phone company. You're not akin I to agree. a platform where people can actually talk to each other. They should not enjoy those legal protections that they have if these companies, and that's why they're in our country and not in Canada or Britain or anywhere else because they wouldn't enjoy that kind of legal protection. If they're going to be a platform, they have to act like a platform. Yeah. That's what they should be doing, and they're not. And if, if your whole personality is fighting with people on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you're at, get outside. Talk to some real people. Get some fresh air. Listen yeah. to podcasts. Yeah, listen to <laughs> podcasts like this because yeah. this will make you a better human in general. Thanks for hanging out. Mara, I hope you enjoy the rest of your birthday weekend. Thank you. I, it, it should be fun. I had a great day yesterday. We're going to continue the The party, party. continues. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Greg, Mara's are you going to do anything Mara's fun? good about birthdays, too. That they're I do like a good she, birthday. She throws a good birthday her. party. Yeah. No, she 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 makes it, she lets you know it's your birthday, which is really nice. I think that is good because you don't want to forget about it and you should have known I it. I met and you're gorillas supposed to have on calendar. my birthday. It was a, it's <laughs> a it's a very very big deal. That was the gift that deal. keeps on giving. Oh, it's a very big deal for me. Oh. I'll show you pictures. All right, we're going to post okay. pictures online. So if you want to <laughs> see that, just go to kutv.com where we link this. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Mara's dad, for hanging out. He's still halfway pleasantly smiling. So uh, how's it know, been man, that bad? That smile. I think it might be a. He might be gritting his teeth at me. I'm not sure. I'm, he I'm might worried. Be.